0: Lock Talks Radio.
1: Bluegrass rock? You bet. And hard rock blues, it's all here on Music Friday Live. Stay with us. I need a big, big
0: bed to save the dream that I've traveled Catch
1: in this linen net. Keep on so I
0: don't forget.
1: From Los Angeles, California, it's Music Friday Live, brought to you by Solar City, your source for clean, sustainable energy. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan, with a slight cold and a sore throat, but I'm working at it anyway. Don't forget, this is your show. These bands are here to talk with you. Call us, 347 215 or email your questions and comments to musicfridaylive at com. Well, like I said, I have a sore throat, but uh, you know I'm full of cough drops and everything, throat coat tea and everything else I can do, but occasionally I may have to hit the cough button, so there it is. But I have some good news for you. I have a good news flash, especially if you are a musician. There was a court case recently involving um Spotify. There've been a lot of court cases involving Spotify. Um this was a settlement. Uh, actually it was a ruling by the by the Copyright Royalty Board on Wednesday and it ruled that online radio companies like Spotify now have to pay at least $0.17 cents per 100 plays. That's right, $0.17 cents per 100 plays. Now, you all remember we had a guest on last year who said that she had 230,000 down the streams of one of her songs and she got a check for $24 at the end of the year? Well, maybe this is going to boost it up a little bit. Now, the Copyright um, Royalty Board actually was, was faced with two competing claims. Spotify actually wanted to reduce the amount of money they paid to artists. Can you believe that? They wanted to cut it from $0.14 per hundred plays down to $0.11. Well, a variety of um, people said, no, we would like to raise it to $0.25. You know, artists have to make a living, too. They they can't all wait tables and and record great albums, too. Well, the Copyright Royalty Board kind of split the difference, and they say it's $0.17 per hundred plays now. So now remember that's a that's a pretty good increase that's pretty of uh, fourteen cent uh, of over the fourteen cents not 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 enough I think they should have come up with the twenty five cents but we also have to look at the fact that Spotify, which is here in Oakland, California and went public in two thousand and eleven and has eighty million users, has never made a profit that's right never made a profit. It paid out four hundred million dollars to um to artists last year, which is almost half of its revenue, 44%. So you kind of wonder, you know, is this a good business model for everybody? Spotify's not paying musicians enough to stay alive. It's not making any money. Maybe we should all go back to, to buying albums. All right. You know, anyway, uh, we're going to take a break now. And when we come, we want to welcome in all of our radio affiliates. And when we come back, Tom Cusumano of the Walcott. So don't go away. You're listening to Music Friday Live. We're back. I'm Patrick O. Heffernan, host of Music Friday Live, welcoming our listeners on the CyberStationUSA.com network and the radio affiliates. If you have questions or comments for our guest, you can call us. Three four seven two one five seventy five eleven, or if you're sitting at work and you're not really paying attention to what's on the computer screen, you can email us. You can email us at live at gmail dot com. Musicfridaylive at gmail dot com. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, we can still you can still email questions for our guests. We will uh, move forward. We will forward our, your questions to our guests, and they can reply directly to you, or they can you know reply through through us too. So. There's lots of ways in which you which, in which you can participate. Well, before we meet we meet our next guest, I wanted to remind all the musicians and fans out there that Music Friday Live is a partner with the World Arts and Global Music Platform that connects artists and fans and bands and brands and industry pros. We're going to talk a little bit more about world arts later, but uh, you should everybody should check it out. It's free. Go to the www.worldarts.com platform and find out about the free concerts and the recordings and all the various ways in, in, in which World Arts uh, helps music. Well, I have seen our next guest band only once, but that was all it took. I wanted to see them again and again and again, and I wanted to see them on Music Friday Live. The band is the Walcots, and they are pure, high-powered, high-octane fun. They do what music is supposed to do. They make you get up and dance. Their bluegrass country folk rock is the essence of West Coast Americana music. And it's no wonder they sell out shows and blow fans away. Well, happily, they are releasing recorded versions of their power-packed live music. And even more happily, Tom Cuzumano, lead guitarist for the Walcotts, is here with us today. Tom, welcome to Music Friday Live. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing well, and I bet you are too. Now, I have four of your songs on the network's jukebox, and we will play oh, cuts from each each of them, but before we do that, could you tell our audience a little bit about the band? There are a lot of you. How did you all get together? Why the name Walcott? As far as I can tell, there's no one in the band named Walcott. <laughs>
3: no, there's no Walcott, actually, in the band. We get a lot of questions. People always ask us if we're uh, like a big family which is kind of awkward because, like, there's a a weird kind of, like, age range where, like, we'd have to be Irish twins, like, three times over to make that happen. Um, But as far as the name, the name actually came from, um, as I'm sure you've heard, bands always have a hard time kind of choosing their name. And so what happened was this epic text message battle going around, which was, hey, what do you think of this? No, I hate it. Hey, what do you think of this? No, I hate it. Hey, what do you think of this? No, I hate it and then at the, the same time i was literally just i was listening to the band um and we're all big big fans of the band and i was just kind of going through some of their songs and I was like what about the walcotts like ws walcott medicine show is such a cool song it talks about saints and sinners and all kinds of people you might want to know and i sent it to everybody in the text And i was like what do you guys think of the walcotts and they were like like okay, what does it mean? And I had to explain the same thing from the song to a couple of them, and uh, and so yeah, we, we we've been the Walcotts ever since. So saints and sinners, all kinds of people you might want to know is is kind of the tagline that we stole from the band. <laughs> so oh, um,
1: works for me. Yeah so,
3: yeah, so that that's how the name came about. And as far as all the players, um, so the the drummer uh jim olsen uh the fiddle player devin shea and myself have actually been playing music together for a long time i've been playing with jim for probably about 13 years and uh we had a band and devin actually joined that old band and i mean we shut that down like six years ago or something but we couldn't get arrested um we we got a few little highlights here and there we worked with some great people but it was one of those things that just you know didn't work for whatever reason and so we kind of put that to bed and we took a little time off and then, you know, I started writing with different people, which was something I had never done in the previous project. I had always just written the songs and we went in and, and did them. Uh, whereas this time around, I was writing with all these people. and I was like, hey, you know, Jim, why don't we get some studio time, have some fun? And it started very organically. So I was like, I was, I'm writing with, with Jameson. I'm writing with this guy, Matt. I'm writing with this guy, Sasha. You know, what do you think? Um, why, don't we, why don't we just go in and, and have some fun? And so that's what we did, and we came out with the four songs that were on the first EP uh, that we put out, and uh, all of a sudden we got a couple of music placements, and then it was like, oh my god, we should name this thing, and then we went through that text message of <laughs> what should we call ourselves. So that's that's the short short version. There's like a longer version because there's so many people, <laughs> but,
1: but we only have 23 minutes, version. you know. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. So it would it would probably take about 20 minutes to tell each story of everyone.
1: So. Well, now that that's cleared up, and we're not going to get emails from our listeners wanting to know who the Walcotts are, let's, uh, let's, let's play a, a little music so people know what all the excitement's about. As I said, your music combines a lot of elements, and I think that uh, this song shows them all off well. This is Let the Devil Win from your standpoint. Like, it started in Memphis and stopped in New Orleans, but uh, <laughs> you're all from Los Angeles. So so where do all these deep south influences come from?
3: Uh, you know, man, it's I think it's all just rock and roll, uh, for lack of a better expression. Uh, you know, we're all just students of everything that came before us. Like, our fiddle player is obsessed with the meters. Like, Devin is, like, the only fiddle player who will, like, do crazy little stop-chop times all of the meters. You know, I'm I'm a huge Springsteen and and fan of the band and and Little Feet. You know, our drummer's a huge fan of the Who. Like we work with all these great horn players, you know, uh our pedal I love the horns. player is uh, they're great. Yeah, exactly. I mean and our pedal steel players from Mississippi is like, I'm from Vermont, you know, our fiddle players from Seattle, our drummer's from Oakland, you know? So it's like, I think we're just students of what came before us and it just comes out in kind of a natural way. Like we don't force it to sound like anything, you know, one song to the next is probably going to sound a little bit different. And, uh, I think that's, you know, in my opinion, I think in our opinion, as a band, that kind of makes a great band or a great album is not having everything sound exactly the same, but you can distill all these great influences. You know, uh, and I then you know completely. back to the, yeah, and then back to the band, You know, we we always steal the line. You know, Leon Helm when he's kind of chuckling at Martin Scorsese at the end of uh, <laughs> at the end of the Last Waltz, so he's like, you know, when you take you know rhythm and blues and country music and, and blah blah blah, and I'm not doing the quote justice. You know, and Martin Scorsese said, well, what do you call that? And he says, rock and roll. So that's kind that's of right. that's how I was raised. You know, there's,
1: there's right. too many
3: genres, so to speak. So I just call it rock
1: and roll. It's all rock and roll. <laughs> it's all rock and roll to me. I think there's a song line on that. Now, uh, <laughs> let me ask you, though. Your last tour included stops in Nashville and San Francisco and Pioneertown, California. Uh, three very different places. Do you get different receptions to your music in, in different places like that?
0: Yeah,
3: a bit. Um, A bit. It's really, you know, to be honest with you, Nashville and and you said San Francisco and and Pioneertown, you know, the nice thing about playing outside of L.A. is it's not L.A. And there's a very, like, impress me, you know, crowd in Los Angeles, which makes you work real hard. Um, But I feel like in Nashville and San Francisco and and, and really outside of, of New York, and in LA specifically you get this sense of true music lovers because if they're at the show they're at the show because they want to be they're not there because it's like a scene or that kind of thing and i i'm i'm generalizing quite a bit here but there is something to be said for just that sense of hey we're here for a good time you know i heard this band or you know i heard this band that that this band is on tour with kind of thing and that's how they might find out about us and you know, so from town to town, it can be a little bit different, but I've really found that for whatever reason, whatever it is that we do kind of resonates no matter where we play, which is a great thing for us because we'll get, we'll get off stage and we'll start talking to people who are at the show and they're just, Oh man, I love when you did this. And they might cite, you know, a Southern influence or a New Orleans influence, or somebody might cite like a rock influence or, you know, some might cite a jazz influence. So you, you never know, but there's always a sense of, some kind of excitement when we come off the stage and we talk to folks who've just seen the show. Um well, so all well, in all, yeah, can't complain.
1: <laughs> there was a the lot evening. of excitement. There was a lot of excitement at the L ray and uh like I can tell you because I, I was right there in front of you with my cameras, uh and there were a thousand people behind me who all wanted to climb over <laughs> me and get on the stage with you. So it was it was a lot of excitement now. I, I want to I play some more of your music just to, to demonstrate uh, your range. and here's a song that would much more country feel to it. That's staring back, and it really pulls out the country stops. Did you, did you write that?
3: I did. I wrote that one actually on my own. I actually had, and I played pedal steel on that one too. That's the only time you'll hear me playing pedal steel on a record. Wow.
1: I didn't know you played pedal steel. How about that? Um, how Neither do did urban I. Audiences, how do, yeah, right. <laughs> how, how do urban audiences react to, uh, to your, to country tunes? Do you play a, a different set list in Nashville than you would play in LA or Pioneer California? Uh,
3: Honestly, we it depends on how long the set is. So, like something that we did in in Nashville was, you know, we played like two hours in Nashville one night, and then at Pioneer Town we actually played like three sets. So we're able to work in kind of everything, and then we're able to like trickle in a couple of covers. Um, so with the country straight up kind of because that one's pretty straightforward. Like it's a very country influenced kind of song, yeah. and it kind of swings but it's that fun. way. Yeah, it seems to resonate pretty well, um, in in Nashville. Like, we've done that one a a handful of times out there, because we've been in Nashville like two or three times now, and and I think we've played it every time. Um, you know, it's a little more opened up when we play it live, like, because it's so easy, it's such a simple song, um, and in a live element, we like to kind of, you know, throw things, throw things, (laughs) a monkey wrench into the spokes, so to speak, and, uh, and so we'll, you know, we'll open up the different solo sections. So we might add a fiddle solo in there or, you know, let the horns take a little solo or, you know, jam out the middle eight or something a little longer. Um, and it seems to go over well. So it kind of hits that, like, country but also, like, touch of jam band-ish feel, so to speak. I, I wouldn't consider it a jam band, but, you know, we're all somewhat competent musicians so we can all, like, take a lead <laughs> on a song.
1: I think you're all very competent musicians. <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking with uh, Tom Cusumano of the Walcots, and you can talk with him, too. You can call in 347-215-7511, or if you're sitting there with your uh, earphones on at work, you can email us. And we're getting some emails, so why don't we, uh, we, we let, let the audience come in here. Um, Amy sure. from Los Angeles. Here we go. Amy says, and I'll read this here. Saw you at the L Ray. When is your next L.A. gig? I was right there in front, and I want more.
3: All right. Well, thanks, Amy. Um, We actually just scheduled a show. This actually next show is going to be very unique and different. Um, We're going to be at Harvard and Stone, which is this cool little uh, venue uh, on Sunset, I think. Sunset. It's uh, it's a little bit east of the 101. I can't remember what
1: street it's on. Anyway, Harvard and Stone. It's on Sunset just past Western. It's in Las Files.
3: Yes, exactly. So we did our residency there a year or two ago, and we love that place. And we just got asked to to do a show, um, and it's going to be January 5th, which is kind of a tough time. So we're actually doing something stripped down because we really wanted to do the show. So it'll be a unique lineup for us. Uh, So it's, it's one to not miss because it's something we've never done before, and that's all I'll say. It just won't have yeah, all yeah. the players in it, but it'll have some of the key components, and it should be some unique arrangements to to what we do. And I think that that's one of the things we really like to do is to keep ourselves, you know, kind of moving forward musically and, and that sort of thing. So we're looking forward to that January fifth at Harvard and Stone, and we play at Stop. 9 p.m.
1: If you're in Southern California, it's January 5th, and you, you've gotten over your New Year's hangover, um, that's the place to be, <laughs> 9 p.m. It's in Las Files, It's on Sunset. Been there many times, just past uh, Western Avenue. Uh, she from San Francisco, that's XI, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, from San Francisco says, ever think of playing at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival in San Francisco? Uh, we'd love
3: to play at Hardly Strictly. Uh about I think last year actually, not uh twenty fifteen but twenty fourteen, we were actually hired to back up uh this singer songwriter, uh Caitlin Rose out of Nashville to play mm-hmm. Hardly Strictly and we also uh we played with her at Great American, um and a few other places. Uh, we had a blast. We really enjoyed playing Hardly Strictly, and but it was under the moniker of, of her name. So we would love to go and do a full Walcott set. Absolutely. If you have any pull, put in a good word for us. <laughs> uh,
1: for for my uh, for my listeners outside of California, and I know you're there because I'm getting emails from you. Hardly Strictly Bluegrass is a privately financed festival of every bluegrass band in the country about a hundred thousand people show up uh at, at golden gate park and it's an entire weekend full of bluegrass and um a little bit of uh um, alcohol and um, things to <laughs> smoke it, it's a lot of fun uh Lindsay from new york city um you should start a tour here in new york city and work east across the country i bet you could do at least two gigs in new york ever been to New York?
3: Uh well, we haven't been to New York. We're talking about that right now actually. As you can imagine with nine people getting to to New York, one of the more expensive cities in the country, uh there's a lot of logistics involved in that. So we're hoping to get there this year. Um you know, keep an eye on our website and our social media uh like our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and hopefully we'll have something in New York very soon and some more east coast states as well.
1: All right, I want to get back. I'm to from playing the east coast,
3: so I want to get there. <laughs>
0: so.
3: I, I
1: want to get back to playing some music, but I got very one very intriguing email here from uh, Marjorie in Dallas, and, and Marjorie wants to know: Has the banjo gotten electrified like the ukulele, with all kinds of echoes and sound effects and pedal boxes?
3: Ah, uh, we've never used a banjo in our stuff, <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> You're a bluegrass band without a
1: banjo? Oh, my God. Well, I don't know if
3: we're a bluegrass band. I mean, I think Uh, we have influences from bluegrass. You know, I play electric guitar for the entire set, so I don't know where that falls in. Um, But, I, you know, I play a little banjo, not well. Um, And we tracked one song with a banjo guitar, which is a six-string banjo tune like a guitar. It's for lazy guitarists who want a banjo sound. Um... And that's as close as I've gotten to date with it. <laughs> All
1: right, well let us let, play some more music here, let, and we're going to slow the tempo down a little bit. This is this is a slow dancer as far as I'm concerned. My part of town.
0: And you, surrounded by lies and stories. When
1: well well somehow uh tom I, I don't think your part of town is lonely so so where did that song come from <laughs>
3: um so jameson Hollister, uh who I write a lot with, who plays Fetal steel and mandolin and he's he's an amazing musician he plays a lot of a lot of instruments um we uh we were just doing a writing session one day, and i kind i can't remember if he hit that lick on the guitar or the mando or if I did, and it was just kind of we just kind of kind of got in this little vibe of that song and we started talking about like I think at the time his wife was like on a movie shoot or like she was away for like a few weeks and we were talking about how like you know being away because I'm married as well and and, you know it's like it's tough sometimes you're, you're on the other side of town or you're the other side of the country or you know Jameson had gone on tour in like Japan with someone and you know he had missed his wife and we were just kind of talking about that and you know, that was just kind of the jumping off point for that song. And then songs just kind of take a life of their own, because you can only make it so autobiographical um, before it gets weird. And uh, so we decided to kind of go in this direction with talking about, okay, well, you know, maybe this is about just a general longing. And sure. so we got a little more vague in the song, and we came up <laughs> with those lines. And,
0: Makes sense. Well, yeah,
3: but the... the, the yeah, the thing is, you know, you don't want, I mean, there, there's a time and a place for specifics and songs, and there's a time and yeah. a place for, like, the, the the vagueness of being like, you know, my part of town is lonely without you, you know, and I okay. think that might speak to a lot of people. So that's just kind of where it came from, just like, well, you know, speaking I of, miss somebody.
1: Speaking of being married and missing somebody, I understand, didn't you become a father this year?
3: I did, I did. I have a son, Henry, who uh, is going to be 10 months old and about a week and a wow.
1: half congratulations wow. has that changed uh your perspective on the music business at all
3: uh yeah y- yes in good ways and bad it's it's made me want to work even harder um but at the same time it makes me not want to leave as much uh so it's a kind of you know double-edged sword there um uh, you know because the thing at least what I've found in in having a kid is I want him to see his father as someone who really strives to do something and become successful. I want him to see that effort and follow through and success. I want him to see that formula as a formula for his life. Um, You know, and I, I mean, the kid's not even 10 months old yet, so who knows (laughs) what direction he'll go in, but all of a sudden, like, you know, you just, your eyes open wide and you're just like, okay, well, what kind of world am i creating for this little person um and and i want to create the best one i can and and show him that you know his dad busted his ass and
1: <laughs>
3: made something um, out I, of his life
1: um did that have anything to do with the fact that you did a christmas uh, song you put you've got a christmas song up on spotify now
3: um
0: well no christmas song
3: I mean, I, I love Christmas. My wife teases me that I'm a bit of a Grinch. But um, the Christmas song, actually, I wrote a couple of years ago with a co-writer of mine, a friend of mine, Matt. And uh, we had actually just been talking about writing a Christmas song just for the for the hell of it. And we didn't even record this song until this year, whereas I recorded a version with a female vocalist named Haley Sales, uh, kind of a, a pop uh, acoustic singer-songwriter out of Canada, and uh we did that like two years ago and it's actually been placed in a bunch of T V shows. So I was like, geez, well people seem to like this. Maybe maybe this would work for the walk So I brought it to the band and we just had a really good time with it and it, it became the, the version that we just put out. So
1: And it's it's I'm a that, good song too. Yeah. I had a great time listening to it. I added it to my <laughs> uh my Christmas playlist. Well we're we're oh, beginning to get a little awesome. tight on time here, so I, I've got one more uh song of yours I wanna play and uh, this is uh, should have been me I love that one. That 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 is just that really it, it's so visceral it gets to you. Unfortunately, uh we've been having so much fun. We are out of time. I did want to remind uh, people that your Christmas song is available on Spotify for streaming and it's available on iTunes for download. And of course it's always better to download from iTunes. I that way you can listen to it any time you want. Um well, no, Tom, unfortunately, the clock has said we've to. We've been having too much fun, so we got to say goodbye. <laughs> I want to thank, thank you for taking the time to be on the air with us today. It was really nice of you to take a break and talk to us.
3: Of course, any time. And I'm so glad that you're a fan, and I remember you right there in the front shooting the pictures. So <laughs> I'm glad I got a <laughs> chance to get that.
1: Well, thank you. All right, That's Tom Cusimano of the Wall Cuts. Uh, check them out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Are there any other places people can get your 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 music, Tom?
3: Um, there's some. There's a sampler up on the website, so that has a couple different songs than what's on Spotify and uh, iTunes.
1: Okay, all right. And if you're in Southern California, even for all those people who are in Dallas and New York who are sending me emails, you do a little vacation in Southern California and catch the Acoustic Show at the Harvard and Stone on Sunset in the Las Viles neighborhood of Los Angeles. That's January 5th. It's next year, but it's not that far away. And also, you (laughs) want to make sure that you follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Well, we have to take a break right now. When we return, Australian Blues. Yes, there is such a thing, and it's really, really good. Hamish Anderson joins us, so don't go away. You are not going to want to miss this one.
0: Our troops aren't the only ones fighting right now. Thousands of military families are in crisis. They're fighting financial battles, how to pay the bills, even how to keep their homes and feed their children. You can help by supporting Operation Homefront, a national nonprofit, that provides emergency assistance for military families and for wounded warriors when they come home. To learn more about how you can help, go to OperationHomeFront.net. World Arts brings the entire music world together on one global stage. We give artists the tools to sell and license their music, interact with industry pros, and play live to a whole new audience wherever they are on their journey we want artists to get paid for what they create at World Arts, fans can discover new songs get exclusive rewards and crowdfund projects for artists brands can offer opportunities for artists to create original content that fans can instantly vote on and share World Arts is the global music platform where we can all rise above the noise Take your career to the next level. Discover new artists. at World Arts, it's all about the music.
1: That's our new partner, World Arts, and uh, you should sign up. It's free. It's free, and for those of you in Southern California, they do these great little video sessions and these showcase sessions, and they have bands in, and you get to meet the bands. It's just a wonderful platform. It's, it, it's, I love it dearly. But I want to give you a word from our, our other sponsor, Solar City. Now, I know a lot of you understand that solar is a, a huge win-win for homeowners, but a lot of you also are reluctant to take the plunge into solar because of the upfront cost. Well... With Solar City, you can go solar for zero upfront cost on approved credit. That's right. Solar city will come out they'll install a solar system on your home for free, and you only pay for the power you use just like you do from the utility company. But you pay for a lot less because the sun's making it for you so Solar City pays for the system. It pays for the insurance. It pays for the maintenance. All you have to do is sit there and enjoy the savings. So if you've been ready for solar, but solar has not been ready for you, it's ready now at solar City, America's number one clean energy provider. That's right. And how do you find out? Well, I'm going to give you a phone number. You knew I was going to do that, so you're ready for it. 909 sixty nine thirty seven nine oh nine six one eight sixty nine thirty seven and tell them that you heard it about it from me from Patrick Music Friday live and you'll get a discount. <clears throat> there goes my throat nine oh nine six one eight sixty nine thirty seven. All right <clears throat> let me get my throat back here because I want to introduce our next guest. Now if you've listened to Hamish Anderson's music, you know what I mean. His blues guitar just has no match in intensity and virtuosity. Uh, he, he's toured with the late B.B. King when he was only 23. He's put out two EPs, both winners. His impressive live shows have packed Hollywood's Hotel Cafe in October, and he's back in the States again for more. His music encompasses a mix of electric blues, soaked rock, and modern roots song. And he's, it, and it's even more impressive that he's actually an Australian. He has excelled in the seminal American music form, proving once again, of course, that blues is global. Uh, He's in the States now, I think, uh, for gigs and maybe doing a little recording, possibly living. We'll find out. He's here with us today. Hamish Anderson, welcome to Music Friday Live. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Now, first of all, let me make sure I've got this right. You're now living in Los Angeles, is that right?
2: Yeah, pretty much now kind of, uh, I guess the past two years, kind of been based
1: here and yeah, working out of L.A. Great, great. We're really happy to have you. Now, I know you're originally from Melbourne, Australia, which is a city about the same size as, as Los Angeles. It's also the music capital of Australia, and it's got about as many venues and bands as L.A. It's got great clubs like the Forum Theater and the Corner Hotel. Why did you leave Melbourne to come to L.A.?
2: Yeah, um, it was kind of the start of 2014, I got invited uh, to come to LA to do some showcases at a thing in LA called Muse Expo, and I kind of came over for those and didn't really know how long or short of time I would stay, and I think things just started moving a lot quicker over here, and I kind of got together with my management and my booking agent over here, and... Yeah, it kind of just, I think for me, I'd always wanted to come to America because obviously I love blues music and all the music I love came from over here. So I think it just kind of the timing wise and being yeah, in America, playing that music
1: just kind of worked. Well, we're really, really glad you are uh, as a rock critic. uh I go to a lot of clubs, and it's not unusual to see celebrities in the audience, especially music celebrities at the showcase clubs like the Hotel Cafe and the Room Five and places like that. Has that happened to you? Have you ever spotted celebrities out there in the audience?
2: Yeah, I mean that's been one of the, I think one of the craziest things is kind of playing a show and looking out in the crowd and yeah, seeing someone. Like I, I did a show. One of the first shows I did when I came over was in New York, and I looked out into the crowd about a song in and Gary Clark Jr. Was kind of wow. standing right in front of me, like that, <laughs> kind of made my hand cramp up a little bit, and feel like you kind of gotta pull out the big guns, and yeah, stuff like that. I did a show at the Mint, and Macy Gray was there, and came up afterwards, and bought a CD, and was just really cool, and wow. yeah, that's the I, one of the BB King shows I did. George Benson was like right up front, and kind of stood up and gave it, was clapping and stuff, and it's just that type of stuff that's just so surreal to kind of be in that moment
1: so you you're you're used to it now, huh <laughs> yeah, now it's uh
2: <laughs> it's been good. I've had a couple of good lucky experiences, I think.
1: Well, I, I know that uh, you recorded at Henson uh, Studios, which that's a great history. It took over the old A and M Studios, created by Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss, at the mm. and has been the scene of many, 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 many major bands and records. How did that happen? How did a 23 year old guitar player from Australia end up recording in one of the world's most renowned studios?
2: Yeah, it was kind of a happy accident, really, because the producer I worked with, uh, my second EP, Restless. Uh, His name's Chris Sharma, and yeah, I met him and was really drawn to him because he's an engineer for a lot of stuff that Don Woz does, and he engineers all the kind of stuff for the Rolling Stones, and so we got to talking, and we're hanging out, and decided to kind of cut some tracks, and we were originally going to record at a studio that he'd been building just kind of down on Santa Monica Boulevard or somewhere, and maybe less than a week out from starting recording things changed and we couldn't record there and I was really worried because we were kind of scrambling at last minute for a studio and he used to just do a lot of work out of Henson's that so he mentioned that and so he could kind of get us in there really easily and you know we just did like I think it was two days there and kind of just smashed it out and yeah it's an extremely inspiring place to be making music with all the history it has
1: So did, did you feel the vibrations of all of those bands that had been there for years before you and it Yeah I mean I, I think it's a
2: yeah, it's hard to avoid. Like, I mean, you know, you walk past, in in every room there's been so many records that are huge parts of everyone's life. And, yeah, just like seeing the room where Carol King did Tapestry and things like that are just, yeah, I don't think you can't not be inspired by it.
1: Well, uh, we should uh, play a little of your music uh, because I want to get inspired and inspire our audience. So here is Burn.
0: If I saw you, baby, I the you i coming on my eyes Everywhere I'm going around I'm hiding secrets like I've never done before
1: Uh, wh- wherever you record music, it, you, you, it, it's good. That song jumped out of the EP immediately, and it's easy to say why. Now, to me, <clears throat> that's immediately recognizable as a Hamish Anderson song. There'll be the guitar chops played with a touch of jazz, and your your vocal rasps that manage to stay at sort of a high pitch. It really nails it. But I wonder, how would you describe your signature? What is it that makes a song a Hamish Anderson song?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a hard one to answer, but I I think for me it's now, I think when so many artists and kind of records are really produced a lot and kind of, you know, there's a lot of like computers and pads and things like that, I just always, I've always enjoyed the sound of someone, you know, playing an instrument and just kind of that human element. And like, I don't really like overproduced records. So really for me, I think, especially with Baron and that EP we just tried to capture the live sound and kind of just take what we do on stage and just do it on the record so for me I think that the live sound is really where it's at for me like I think that's probably the most important part
1: well you did capture it very very well and uh, there's a I want to play another example of of your music but this is a a very different kind of a song this is a this is shotgun Mm -hmm. combine um uh delta blues uh rock some folks kind of dylan-esque kind of folk in that song particularly especially in that song like i said but the more i listened to that song yesterday and then again this morning i i wondered um are you kind of following in the footsteps of t-bone walker and ted hawkins and what's become the west coast blues are you writing a new chapter here
2: <laughs> maybe i love yeah i love t-bone walker and all that west coast stuff like magic sam and yeah, that's uh And to me, it's just, I think also with the EP, what I wanted to do is, I'm just, I mean, blues always for me is the root of all the kind of music I love, but I love so many styles of music that I really never want to make an album or an EP that's just sounds kind of the start, you know, the same from start to finish. Like, to me, it's, I enjoyed exploring other genres and doing some songs, like a big electric rocker and other songs, just kind of a stripped back acoustic thing. So I think kind of,
1: Dynamics and range are
2: really important to
1: me. So you know, you're now you're now part of the West Coast Blues. You have no choice, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Being out here, so yeah, I'm happy to be any part of it.
1: And we're happy you are. Uh, now, m- much has been made of your touring with BB B. King at a, a very young age, and, and of course, much should be made of that. Now, I know your manager pitched you to King's people. Uh, did you ever find out why you were picked for the most coveted supporting guitar spot in the blues world?
2: No, to be honest, I really didn't. It was it was just I'd signed kind of with my booking agent here in L.A. at the same time, and him and my manager just kind of sent a list, and B.B. King was on it, and that was obviously the one that stuck out to me, my manager, the most. So pitched for that, and I guess they heard it and liked it and, yeah, got it, which was, just really crazy kind of having been here for, I guess at that stage, I'd probably been over in the States for like four months and just gigging around and recording and trying to just kind of do something. And yeah, that was just kind of mind blowing for me.
1: You must have thought you'd died and gone to blues heaven. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's just funny, like coming from Australia, like you dream about that like type of thing happening. And I remember being like 13 years old and my dad playing me BB King records and yeah, to actually kind of be there and be doing it was
1: really surreal. Well, I've talked to other blues players who've worked with King, and, and they tell me that you don't get to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, you're mostly, the only time you see him is on stage and a couple of rehearsals. Was was that the case with you?
2: Yeah, pretty much. And I think also because this was really kind of, you know, he was quite old and stuff. It was He is kept pretty separate, and I got to, you know, sound checks, I would hang out with his band and they come up and were really nice and supportive. And, and then, yeah, I got to I'd like stand on side stage during his set. And, yeah, I just remember afterwards, like, Lucille being kind of taken right past me and then him giving me the thumbs up and he kind of went off. So, yeah, it was just, like, crazy being there and witnessing, yeah, him playing.
1: Well, of course, uh, um, I guess we could say you were 20 feet from stardom there. Um, yeah. What um, – What did you learn from B.B.? Yeah, I think the main
2: thing I take away from it is it's just really powerful to see someone really pretty much play music up until the very end. Like he had such a long history with his music and just playing. And and that was really what it was. Like I can't even from, you know, I was born in 91. I can't even remember a time when you didn't know that he was playing and just out it's like bob dylan it's like someone that just tours and just plays and constantly so i think for me it was just yeah it's really incredible and especially in this day and age where i think longevity isn't really at the forefront of things like music unfortunately that it's it's really amazing to see someone yeah who is doing it kind of in the 50s right up until 2015 in the very end so yeah,
1: yeah. We're talking with uh, Hamish Anderson, a blues player from Australia, now in Los Angeles. And you can talk with him, too. You can call in, 347 215 And all you people who already know the email address because you're emailing him, I'll, I'll just say it once more, at Um Before I go to the emails, I just want to remind everybody that they can see you live. You're playing um, at uh, the Belly in Solano Beach. I think you're opening with uh, Los Lobos, aren't you?
2: Yeah, opening up for them on New Year's Eve, which yeah, I'm really excited about because they're another one of those just amazing bands.
1: Well, they are. They, they've kicked off uh, the American Latin music revolution that's coming out of East La, East Los Angeles. They're they're one of the seminal bands uh, that that did that. So the fact you're playing with them,
2: you're going to have a great time.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they're something. a fun bunch of guys. So I'm excited. Uh, now let's go to the emails uh mustafa in austin wants to know if you've ever played at south by southwest
2: i have i did this year i actually i think i did seven shows in three days at south by uh, which was yeah i was wrecked by the end of it but i love i love austin and i was just there a week ago and did a show at the w hotel and any chance to play in austin i love playing in austin
1: so Mustafa you you need to follow um you need to follow him on Twitter and Instagram and his website so you can find out what what dates are coming up because obviously uh, he may be back in Austin. Um yeah. Sig from Tucson. Uh there are so many kinds of blues. Do you remember the ones that first appealed to you when your parents played them for you? Did your parents play the blues for you?
2: Yeah, pretty much. My I was lucky my parents are huge record lovers and my dad kind of had all these vinyls out, and I would just kind of stare at them for ages and just play around with them. And, yeah, I think for me, first it was really it was rock and roll, really. It was hearing the Stones and Zeppelin, Cream, and all that stuff. And then I just got really interested in what they were listening to. And I think the first real kind of blues music that spoke to me was that Chicago kind of chess blues sound, like Howlin' Wolf yeah. and Muddy Waters and Little Walter. And, yeah, it's just really... It's really, like, spooky. Like, I really like that kind of spooky, dark, humorous kind of blues, and that stuff is, like, a mine of that.
1: We have, uh, they're just pouring in here. I'm going to do a couple more, and then we get back to music. But um, uh, Larry from Tampa wants to know, where were you when you heard about B.B. Uh, B. King's death, and uh, how did that change you?
2: Yeah, it was really strange. It was, so the last show I did with him, we were meant to do seven dates, and uh, on the second show in Chicago we did that and then he fell ill and had to cancel the tour and the next day we were meant to be playing in West Virginia at a venue and so that got cancelled and then like in May, like so, this is months later I went to West Virginia to open for Blues Traveler at the same venue and that same night was the night that he passed away so it was really, really just strange kind of timing Wow
1: um, it certainly was well yeah. let, let, let's get let's get back to uh to, to music here and this is uh this is from the new ep restless Effect, it's the title song <laughs> That that that's not a, a typical blues song. It's more of a pop ballad, and and a very good pop ballad too, I might add. What made you step off the blues reservation and include that one on your debut EP? Yeah, I think that was just a it was kind of
2: a song I think I wrote when I was really just going through a lot of changes, and yeah, it was kind of right around when I'd been through like a breakup, and I was kind of moving from Australia for the first time, and yeah, kind of having to leave a lot of things behind. So. To me I think it just it yeah almost it felt like you know kind of painting with a different set of colors and yeah I think I love you know like I love like Jeff Buckley and a lot of that type of music so I think that was kind of a song that was a bit more of that type of sound
1: Well uh, your live shows have a, have a lot more at least what I've seen have a lot more rock in them uh that's yeah. what I've seen on videos and I've heard and uh when you play live it do you shift more towards blues rock and away from the acoustic and slow tempo, or does it depend on the audience and the venue? Do you kind of mold your setlist to the audience and the venue?
2: Yeah, I mean it can depend, but I think just overall, just the more I've been playing and and playing live a lot over the past two years, it just it really has shifted into that blues rock sound. And I'm in the middle now of working on my first actual full-length album, and yeah, I think that very much is kind of in that blues rock realm and yeah kind of capturing those kind of harder sounds like burn and stuff
1: well well, since you just let the cat out of the bag that you're working on a new album right Uh, what can you tell us about it how how long uh, how far along are you where are you recording it what kind of music is it going to be
2: yeah i'm about uh i've recorded nine songs so far so yeah there's really two or three now that i'm just kind of just writing a whole bunch of songs and kind of wanting to take my time and just have really like, you know, 12 songs that I'm extremely proud of and not going to put it out and a couple of months later I'll be like, oh, that one wasn't as good as this one, but it's been good I'm have i I've, lucky enough to, out here in LA, have met a really great producer Jim Scott, who's worked on some of my favorite records and worked with Tom Petty and Tedeschi Trucks and Wilco and all these people I love, so out in Valencia I've been recording with him and yeah, it's been great, it really it really, really captures the live sound and is just not many overdubs and just whole takes of a band playing together and Yeah, I think it's kind of continuing on with the blues and mixing kind of blues, rock and soul.
1: I, I I love that when you say that the whole band playing together, so this is you guys this isn't just we lay this track and then we lay that track and then we lay that track and, we track and let the producer put it together. I mean you're all there.
2: Yeah, no, I, I hate it and you can tell like whenever you can hear, you know, if, I hate the process of if it was, you know, you do the drums and then you do the bass and then you do the piano. Like, to me, it's it's about the performance. So it just feels better to me, just everyone playing at once and even the vocals a lot of the time, just being that live take. It just, it yeah. has a feeling that I don't think you can fake.
1: No, you can't. And, and uh, as somebody who listens to music live three or four times a week and then listens to music recorded three or four times a week or more, uh, I, I can tell the difference. And uh, frankly, the 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 energy and the the everybody's in the studio, even though it's not as perfect, it's better. Hmm.
2: Yeah, exactly. It just has that kind of the mojo and yeah, just
1: that human element to it. Well, I know you you mentioned you came from a music loving family, and you've said uh, that after you picked up the guitar at twelve, music gave you identity, and you've lived that identity now for over a decade. Where do you want it to take you? Where how do you see the next decade?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just hope I can just, on all fronts, just always kind of be evolving and getting better as a songwriter and a singer and a guitarist. And, yeah, really for me, I think the best thing about coming over to America in the past two years has just been playing so many shows and just kind of seeing little by little, you finding an audience. And, you know, there might be not many people at this show and the next time you go back there's a lot more and it's just that kind of growth that for me if we can keep going kind of just little by little and just keep building that's really what I want to do
1: well I imagine that uh, you've, you've built a lot and you're, and you're you're going to keep building too uh, let's play another one, we have one more song of yours uh, lined up here and I want to have my audience get a, another taste of this, this is Little uh, Little Lies somebody particular in mind when you wrote that song
2: uh yeah it was funny like i think it's probably a kind of not really one person but kind of a mashup of a few different people and yeah to me it was just kind of that idea about yeah i guess when you're with someone or in a relationship it's just funny the kind of fights you have and really the little lies and how it kind of spreads and stuff so yeah it just started with that idea and then grew from there
1: so so that wasn't about the music industry it was about a real person (laughs)
2: I <laughs> know it could. I guess it
1: could be about the music industry. I do have feelings like that sometimes. I, I, I've heard that from people. Uh, believe me, uh, we're getting some more emails <laughs> in here. So um, let me uh, uh, let me read them. Tilson from Seattle. Tilson has kind of a long and interesting email. I'm going to read the whole thing here. He said that uh, you've said in other places. Obviously, he follows you. That the distinction audiences and critics make between acoustic and electric guitar playing is not the same that muse- musicians feel that if you play the guitar you play both and they both have value do you intend to pursue both forms electric blues and acoustic melodies as you move forward that's a long email yeah, that's a good question
2: no it is a good question uh definitely and that's really important to me i think when it's always funny when people say to me do you play electric guitar or do you play acoustic guitar because i play both and i'd yeah, I don't know. I think they just, there's just so many different things you get out of both of them. And yeah, I always love the sound of an acoustic guitar and electric and all my songwriting always starts out on the acoustic. So for things like that, it's really great. And I think it's really important to do both.
1: Well, w- will we see you doing any uh, acoustic sets around LA
2: or other places? Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm hoping in uh, yeah January and Feb to maybe do a residency somewhere and be doing stuff with the band and then also maybe sometimes just break it up and just do a kind of solo set. And for me, the great thing is like doing solo sets is really great when you're writing new material. Cause kind of instantly, you know, if people are into it or not, like there's no way really
1: to hide. Okay. Um, Steve from Boston wants to know what is your favorite guitar and how many guitars do you own?
2: Uh, favorite guitar. I mean, for me, kind of coming over to america i had to i don't own many guitars i have maybe like three but i kind of had to just choose one to travel with and i have a 52 telecaster replica which is my main guitar and i just love that guitar and i love telecasters because they're just so diverse and can sound so sweet and then a second later it can sound really kind of mean and gritty so telecasters for me
1: are where it's at <clears throat> well, unfortunately, uh, where it's at right now is uh, we're out of time. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so uh, I I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, and um, uh, we really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me anytime.
1: So let, let, let's let remind everybody that you have a show coming up on the 5th of January. That's next year. You're going to be in Solano Beach. It's down by San oh, Diego. No, it's actually uh, New Year's Eve. 31st. Oh, New Year's, I'm sorry, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, it, yeah, it's yeah. in Solano, it's Solano Beach, that's uh, down by um, uh, San Diego, and you're going to be yeah, playing with Mos down there. Yeah,
2: it that's, should be a great show.
1: Okay, that's New Year's Eve, so it's going to be a big New Year's Eve party then.
2: Yeah, it should be good, and those guys like to party, so I'm sure it'll be a, a good fun time.
1: Oh, they do, boy, I've seen them party. Okay, <laughs> and uh, quickly, tell people where they can get your music.
2: Yeah, pretty much if you go to HamishAnderson.com or on Facebook, just my name, Hamish Anderson, it'll all come up. And up there you can get it on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff.
1: Okay, all right. Well, thanks again for being with us. I want to remind everybody that uh, they they want to party. If you're in Southern California, you can party with uh, Hamish on New Year's Eve in Solano Beach at the Belly Up. It's a great way to spend New Year's Eve. You've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from Cyber Station USA and Blog Talk Radio and our radio affiliates. If you like our Facebook page and follow our Twitter feed, you'll get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano. Download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com. Music Friday. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Music Friday. We are off until next year. That's right. We're going to take Christmas and New Year's off. We're going to come back on January 8th, but and we can talk about uh, all, the, all the fun we we had on New Year's Eve. Uh <clears throat> And you can, too. You can email us in and call in and let us know. Uh, so, But in the meantime, you can download our podcast from, from uh, blogtalkradio.com slash music Friday. Check out our Twitter stream, our Facebook page, and we'll update you on the guests. That's all for now. Have a great music weekend and a great musical holiday. Don't go away. We'll be right back next year.